As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene, was good. But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Scott Benjamin. Hey, I am Ben Bullen. And today's topic is one that uh, we have really not made much bones about in the past that uh, we're not necessarily fans of this movie. Not the biggest fans. And it's weird because... I have a bit of a background in some of this stuff. How's that right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, today we are talking about donk cars. Yeah, subculture of automobiles that uh, primarily here in the South, uh, but it has spread. I mean, it's uh, spread out. We'll talk about you know where it has led to, and I'm sure there are examples in the, in the you know the North as well. But right. um, what's your experience with donk cars? Well, kind of intrigued now. You know, I grew up in the South, and uh, I also don't make much of a secret of it. I'm, I'm pretty much a uh, fan of hip-hop culture, and I have uh, moved in circles where there are donk cars, you know. Yeah, not, not some of the outrageous ones that we're going to talk about, but yeah, during the 90s, there's that period of time, 90s, early 2000s, where people uh, spent a lot of time and effort and seeing if they could get their wheels from 20s to 22s to 24s, you know, and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the definition of a donk, really, right? Pretty much. Essentially, it's a car on enormous wheels. Yeah, we'll get to the definition and okay. some of the characteristics and, uh, you know, some of the, the highlights, I guess, of the, the donk subculture, I guess, right. if you want to call it that. And there's so many other names for it. Uh, it's called... Well, there's other names for it. We'll get to that. So, How about that? you but, know, I've driven Monte Carlos and Oldsmobiles, which are not typically really donk cars, but they are land yachts. And uh, I've been in those situations, Scott, where where I had friends in high school who were who were working on this stuff and and um, with mixed results sometimes because you have to know what you're doing to pull this off. Sure. And, uh, you know, people later went on and had shops and said, hey, man, you know what you should do? You should get rid of those garbage stock tires, uh, get – Get yourself hooked up. I can give you a discount. And I always said no, because as much as I may enjoy um, mods 
and kits and stuff like that. This just isn't for me. You know what? There's always somebody there with that, you know what you should do line for just about any car you own, isn't there? There's always, yeah. There's, I, there's, they have a club somewhere. I still get that line when I go to, uh, you know, like a quick oil change place or something like that. Uh-huh. It's like, you know what you should do with this? And, you know, then there's some kind of advice about what, you know, their friend had done with the same model vehicle. Right. And sometimes it doesn't make any sense. Well, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's like, well, maybe I'll think about that because that's an interesting idea, right? right? Yeah. But uh, you with the uh, <laughs> the potential donk cars, I guess, I mean, you never went for it, right? No, no, sir. So you I haven't owned a donk car ever? No, no. Okay. All right. Well, I, I guess, you know, we should leave this off by saying, you know, you and I both have kind of mentioned our distaste or aversion for donk cars in the past, right? Yeah, it's just not my thing. And I think that generally still holds true. I mean, I'm not a fan. Clearly, you're not a fan as well. But I do want to tell you that at the end of today's podcast, I'm going to maybe surprise you a little bit by telling you that there's a few things that I feel are maybe a little bit redeeming about this trend. Now, I know the trend is is dying. It's a dying fad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because it's been around for a long time, maybe right. 20, 25 years at this point, believe it or not. I and mean, it's, it's like a mid-90s thing. You can still see some great donk cars in Atlanta. Oh, I see them. You know what? We'll talk about that, too. But yep. I see them, I would say, regularly. Yeah. Not uh, not all the time, not every day or anything like that. But I do see them around town. And um, I guess there's a good reason for that with the culture that, that's right. around there. But uh, I will tell you at the end about three or four things that I find interesting about them maybe not completely redeeming about the whole the whole thing you know but um something that'll make you think like well maybe i i see your point on that okay yeah okay i i totally get it i'm on board with that just from the jump i'm gonna say the same thing that we say when when we talked about other things like you know it's no secret i don't really care for stance cars with negative camber i think it looks uh weird and like the opposite of pigeon-toed, but for a car. Yeah. Uh, so the point that we always have to make when we talk about that kind of stuff is, if it's your car, I am a huge believer in that you should be able to do whatever you want with it. Although it might hurt my feelings to see somebody buy a Model A and then kit it out and make it look, in my opinion, dumb, uh, it's still their car. And it's your opinion. And it's my opinion, and the twain never have to meet. Exactly right. So I'm going to you know, go out on a, brand, on a limb here, Ben, and say that I bet there are a lot of Car Stuff listeners out there that have never in person seen a donk car. In person. You think so? In person. Now, that's a, that's a big difference because um, you know, we, we here see a lot of them in oh, Atlanta. man, you're right, aren't you? It just feels like they're everywhere because they're all around Atlanta. Now, we've got a, a huge listening contingent in Australia. Right, yeah. How many donk cars do you believe are in Australia? I mean, I bet you can count the number on two hands. You know what? I've never, I have never thought about that. Now I feel kind of naive. So maybe online, you know, they've seen these, they've seen videos of, you know, stuff that's happening sure, here sure. in the United States in the South, you know, Florida, yeah. uh, Georgia, Texas, you know, somewhere around there, like Louisiana, that area, all of that comes into play with, uh, with the subculture that we're going to talk about, right. and, you know, where, where this thing uh, you know, originates. But I guess we should probably describe to, you know, people that have never seen one in person, what a donk car is all about, or they call them high risers. That was the initial term, right? Right. But a high riser, um, and where it got this donk name, I guess, which is really kind of confusing if you try to look <laughs> it up. I mean, you'll never right. find a straight answer about this. So the, the best answer I can give you about the name is that a car that they call a high riser, and we'll tell, say, obviously there's a, a reason for that. I mean, with the, the big wheels and the way that the stance is on these things, these things are way up in the air. Right. Um, 
Now, a donk car traditionally is a 1971 to 1976 Impala, and they were given the name because the Impala symbol was referred to as a donkey by owners or donk for short. Now, that comes right from a pretty typical source. I mean, it's somewhere that, you know, people can contribute information, and I don't know if that is the actual uh, origin of the word donk or not. I just, I, I can't say for sure, but as far as the car goes, um, it kind of makes sense. Now, but to me, I mean, you look at the Impala badge, it's an Impala. Yeah. It doesn't look like a donkey, but I guess people could call it that in just kind of a, an offhand way. Uh, you know, I just don't know if that's, I don't know how true that is. Yeah. I think it's an anecdote and we can treat it as such, but it is true that 71 to 76 Impalas are typically considered the traditional Orthodox one. Now, earlier I had said, you know, I mentioned that I owned some Oldsmobiles and Monte Carlos before, and those are also considered, you know, potential donk cars, mm -hmm. but not, not the main one. The main one is and always will be the Impala from that year, but you could also do a Roadmaster. Um, you could also do some Ford models like Crown Vicks, Lincoln Town cars. Yeah, I've got a whole list of cars if you want to talk yeah, about them yeah, just yeah. quickly before. And I guess we'll get back to the characteristics in just a minute. But oh, crap. Yeah, you, you'll kind of understand. That's all right. But uh, you mentioned Impala, the Caprice, Roadmasters, um, Oldsmobile 98s, Cadillacs are big ones, right? Right. Um, Monte Carlo, if you want to go to a midsize model, that's one that's, yeah. uh, that's featured as well. Um, anything really that's rear-wheel drive from about 1969 through about 1990. Uh, seems like those are the ones that, uh, that are commonly used as these, uh, as the, um, I guess the canvas for these vehicles, you know, the, where they, the starting point. Right. And, yeah. uh, there's also cars. It's not just those cars. There's, you know, Ford and Lincoln Mercury products. So like the, the Crown Vic, uh, the Grand Marquis or Lincoln Town cars even. Um, some, uh, well, actually there's only one foreign vehicle that I can think of that I've seen is a, uh, Lexus. That they sometimes use. Oh, yeah. Uh, modern versions would be, believe it or not, been Corvettes. Some people are doing Corvettes with these things. Camaros yeah. are popular. Mm -hmm. um, Hummer vehicles, particularly the H2 and H3 models. And then even some trucks or SUVs like the Ford Explorer or the Chevy Avalanche are, yeah. are some of the common ones. El Caminos, Bonnevilles as well. Now, we need to talk about what makes a uh, what yeah. makes a good donk car. And uh, we'll talk about variations of these as we go through here. But um, what makes a good donk car... To start with, I guess, would be a V8-powered vehicle, mm -hmm. uh, something that's rear-wheel drive, as we mentioned. Yep. American-built is kind of the traditional thing. The idea is that you modify it to the point where you significantly increase the ground clearance by mm -hmm. adding, you know, these huge, these large diameter wheels and low-profile tires uh, so that, you know, the vehicle body sits way, way up in the air. And we're not talking about, like, the monster truck conversions that people were doing for a while on cars where they would put them on top of huge you know, mud-bogging tires or anything like that. These are, like, tall, thin, supposedly performance tires right. that uh, that are usually uh, fitted with gold or, or chrome rims. That or are very perhaps spinning, uh, spinning accoutrement. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Good way to put that, Ben. All right, so there's a, there's a lot of characteristics, and there's more to it than that, but um, I want to tell you also that there's a couple of different names for this. It's not just um, a high-riser, which was kind of the initial term. Right. It's not just donk. Nope. It's also called a box. It's also called a bubble or a skyscraper. Now, I got the origin, I guess, of, um, or I guess not the origin, but the uh, description of what a box car is. And a box car is another kind of like a subtype of a high-riser vehicle. And that's usually the 1970 to 1990 Impala or Caprice models that are kind of boxy. Uh, you can kind of get a picture of what those are like if you look at just the standard stock vehicles. You'll understand why they're called boxes because they're very square. 
Yeah. Um, the bubble cars are typically the fourth generation Caprice vehicles, and that's the one that went through the the body change in 1991. If you remember uh, when the Caprice and the Impala SS came around, uh, I would think it was the seventh gen Impala SS, and they had that really um, swoopy body style, and you see it in cabs a lot. You know, those yeah. old cabs, but that's a very popular vehicle to convert into a a bubble donk car. I guess I'm using two different terms there, but a bubble car. Right. Yeah. The the thing about these uh, vehicles themselves, I feel like I need to amend my statement here, uh, is that when I say they're not for me, my primary thing that kept me from ever making one of my cars a donk, even when I had friends who were willing to work with me and, and do it uh, with me, was just I like lower cars. I like cars that ride low. Yeah, I do too. And that's that's part of for me that's that's part of the uh the beef I have. But uh riding in these can be pretty comfortable. Really? Surprisingly. I would think that it would be the opposite. I would think it would yeah. be rough, but I suppose if you're doing a custom suspension right it all from, yeah, it all depends on the suspension. From the ground up. Yeah. I mean I suppose you could put in there anything that you would like to. I mean, make it as soft, as smooth as you wanted to. Now, they've got long wheelbases typically to begin with. Right. But I would think that would be uh, counteracted by these giant wheels that have, um, you know, maybe not as much travel as you would think because they, they would interfere with the body work. Right. Um, also, I don't know, how, how smooth could it be if you're riding around on 30-inch rims? As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano. Huh? Oh. Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hermosi, Layla Hermosi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. 
And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I was I was not in a car with the 30-inch rims. I was back when uh, it was still a big deal if you had 22s. Okay, so you mentioned back when it was a big deal. Now, that's yeah. a good, good thing to mention here because this comes from around the 1990s or so. Mm-hmm. And you remember it, it, there was a point where 20-inch rims were a statement. That was a big oh, deal. Oh, it was huge, yeah. That was amazing because people are used to seeing like 14-inch rims, 15-inch rims right, on cars. Right. That, was a, that was a pretty standard size. We weren't even really getting to 16-inch rims yet. And then a guy with 20s would drive by and just laugh at you. That's exactly yeah. right. Those are called dubs, if you yes, remember. Yeah. Now, that's, oh, an old, yeah. that's an old term. I don't know if they're still even using that or not, but they were chrome or gold-colored, sometimes, again, with spinners. Right. But then you're right. Then it would progress up to 22-inch, then 24, then 26, and I think they went all the way up to 40 or even 50. I know I've seen 50 somewhere. Yeah, and there were songs entirely just about the tires, which I love. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I Those are funny. Them. Yeah, I love when people would say, what are you rolling on? A 20. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh. I'm impressed. Oh, man. I can't, I well, can't I'm... open the rabbit hole of how many songs there are just about how your tires are better than other people's tires. Right, I'm mildly impressed. Maybe <laughs> not, you. maybe not fully impressed. <laughs> okay, Ben, so you just were, were singing a little ditty, a little line there from, uh, from your past, right? <laughs> right. And uh, this reminds me that, you know, the origin of this whole thing, this whole subculture came out of another subculture called the Dirty South subculture. Now, uh, yes, we can talk about this, even though it's a family-friendly podcast. Right, right yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a, this Dirty South uh, subculture is all about Southern hip-hop. It's known as Southern rap or South Coast hip-hop or just plain old Dirty South. It's kind of a blanket term for a subgenre of American hip-hop music that um, originated right here in the southern United States. Right, yeah. This is, um, when we're talking about those songs, we're, a lot of the songs come directly from this uh, this style and this car being a part of that, which, when when we talk about it, regardless of how you feel about the music in particular, whether it's, you know, it's your jam or you don't like that type of hip hop or you don't like hip hop at all. Um, one thing that's really interesting about this is that so many, so many cultures have these different ways of expressing themselves with, uh, things like, Oh, we modify our vehicles this way. And these are the songs we play about it. Like country music, right? If you just said that you don't, you know, Oh, that's dumb that this, uh, this type of hip hop genre should also be associated with a vehicle. Well, let's think about country music and pickup trucks just for a second. How about this? I've got another example. Yeah. How about, uh, rat rods and rockabilly? Perfect. That's a, that's a good example. I mean, that's a, that those, those are inexplicably tied together, uh, forever probably. And I think that's the same thing with this, uh, this dirty South subculture, you know, this, this, uh, the Southern hip hop culture and, these these donk cars 
You know, I think part of the weird thing for me about this is that I'm realizing I will gladly sit and listen to any genre of music if they're talking about a car. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean, a lot of people, if they hear something like that, their ears will perk up and, and say, you know, I let's see what I can get out of this, right? Or mm-hmm. see what people are singing about what inspires them, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I think what inspires, I guess, this, uh, this, this group to, to do this kind of thing is, uh, well, of course, the end result. And the end result is a vehicle with oversized or disproportionate wheels, you know, something that ranges from, and you know, it's funny, it says ranges from 20 to 30 inches or more. Um, I'd say 20 is on the low end because production vehicles now come with 20s. Right. Uh, I don't think that's really a big deal anymore. So dubs are not a big deal anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but anything that's, you know, up in the 30 inch range, now that's getting a little crazy, I guess. Uh, that is something that is, uh, you, you call it disproportionate. Yeah. It I, stands out. It's, it's a caricature of itself. Yeah, it's a little bit like a decatora or something because yeah. it's it's very much for the look and the impression where to the point where it maybe isn't as practical, mm-hmm. right? So we know that raising a vehicle off the ground to the point that you would be able to have the clearance for thirty inch rims uh raises the center of mass and it makes the vehicle I said less practical. But just for an example, it makes it easier to roll the vehicle. Ah, yes. Now, see, I was kind of gesturing to my paper here saying that uh, I've got a little bit of here about them being dangerous. Now, a lot of people say that they're not dangerous. I'm going to say, however, that I do think they're dangerous. And I'll tell you why. Because a lot of people will say that, you know, they're not really, you know, racing with these things. It's not a race car by any means. They're not on tracks. They're not really driving fast. However, I have seen plenty of these donk cars here in Atlanta that are on the highway cruising at 80 miles an hour. Now, it seems absurdly fast for a vehicle that is kind of balanced on these really, really high wheels. And when you see one, you'll understand. It's kind of like, um, you know, the old, uh, um, what are the wagon, the Conestoga wagons? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I see it almost like that. It looks like that tipsy, like that that tippy, rather, um, in traffic because it, it's so much higher than everything else. And it's on these these thin little wheels, and they're way up in the air. It just looks like it's precarious in the way it's, it's uh, perched up there. I, I see suppose. what you're saying. So the center of gravity has been, you know, it's way, way up. It's like the opposite of stance cars. You know, stance cars are more stable. The lower you go, the more stable you become. Right. But these are going higher, and they're going on thinner wheels sometimes, and it just seems like the stability is not there. So I'm going to say that, you know, the way I see them as dangerous, if they're just cruising around in a parking lot or, you know, in a neighborhood, there's nothing dangerous about that by any means. But when you're on the highway at highway speeds, I think it is. It's considerably more dangerous than the stock version of that vehicle. Especially because... Braking ability is much less than it would be on stock wheels. Yeah, that's a strange thing. You got there's got to be a whole formula that goes into this. You have to increase the rotor size in order to make the stopping uh, as safe as it would be if you had a smaller wheel on this. Whole right. Thing. So it's it's really it's bizarre the things that you have to think about when you put one of these together. And you know when they're putting them together, they do other things as well. There's a lot of custom interior work that goes on as well with expensive audio equipment i mean really expensive audio equipment mm-hmm. um interiors have things like flat screens they have champagne coolers um they have um all kinds of like custom embroidered seats with logos on them you know like sports teams or you know maybe even personal you know family crests things like that um just bizarre interiors i mean i say bizarre because it's bizarre to me because i've never seen anything quite like these these cars inside or out because outside they usually have these um, outrageous paint jobs, and I'll say outrageous because some of them have themes, right? So some yeah. of them are not just a standard orange paint job or green paint job. 
they go into products. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, like almost like you're sponsored, but you're not. Yeah, you're not sponsored. Castrol is not paying you to for that paint job. I love that stuff, though. I, I love I love a uh, custom paint job. You know me, man. I'm a sucker for that airbrushed picture of Star Wars on a van or something. And this is the same kind of deal to oh, me. Okay, I understand what you're saying about somebody. Somebody's a fan of Star Wars, and they might put a uh, picture of Darth Vader on the back of a black van or something right, like that. Okay, yeah. I see that. I understand. And that. you're saying this is different. All right, this is different because this one. Let's say that your car has a a Lucky Charms theme. Yes, I'm talking about the cereal Lucky Charms. Right. You've got the little uh, um, leprechaun. You've got the uh, you know the rainbow with the pot of gold yeah, at the end instead of the icon on the hood. I mean, it covers the whole vehicle. It's like uh, it's it's um, you know Yoohoo the drink. It's uh, right. it's Pepsi. Yeah. It's Coca Cola. It's sure. McDonald's. It's um, food. Food is a big theme with a lot of these. It really is. I mean, there's uh, Pac Man. You know, there's a Pac Man car out there. Yeah. Uh, there's some crazy, crazy examples. Gatorade is another one. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, some bizarre things out there and they're not you know corporate sponsored as far as i know i mean none of these are sponsored by you know lucky charms is not sponsoring a donk car somewhere here in atlanta and uh you know some cars have things like um you know dollar bill themes so they'll have like a, you know right. the car will be painted like a 100 dollar bill with maybe even with the owner's uh face you know on the on the 100 dollar yeah. bill exactly so or like a um an eight ball or something yeah themes like that i mean so you know these are what they would call fanciful uh, designs like well, these are also they're sort of the calling card for the person who owns or drives the vehicle. Yeah, well, they're highly customized. So yeah, you know, the persons you know they they somehow relate to this, and I don't know how you would relate to you know the uh, the tricks car, you know uh, you know the tricks cereal car with the rabbit on it. I don't yeah. understand that, but um, for some reason you know it's it's part of the absurdity of the whole thing, and I think that's the point is that it's a little bit absurd. You know what would win me over? Yeah, it's fun. It's cool. Like, I, I think that it's not taking yourself too seriously. You know, it would win me over, though, Scott, if uh, you and I were at the local BP or whatever gas station and we saw the Trix donk car pull up, right, mm-hmm. to the to the pump and we're staring and we go, oh, my gosh, it's real. It's really in real life. What does this guy look like? And when he hops out, he's wearing a rabbit suit. That guy is awesome. That would be uh, that would be a new twist on the whole thing. That is a slow clap. All right. So here's uh, here's some controversy, I guess, if you want to talk about okay. controversy. Yeah. How about that? So yeah. you know, people say that uh, um, you know maybe people that are taking these donk cars and they're they're taking old classic vehicles and they're changing them in, changing them into these uh, what they call absurd vehicles. Oh you know, yeah, the these, purists hate it. Oh, they really do because it's a it's modification to the extreme. It'll never go back to its original state. I mean, you can't really undonk a car. You it would be very very difficult to undo what they do because a lot of these require uh, some decent amount of body work in order to make those wheels fit. That's one thing. Yep. Uh, the other thing is the interior packages. You know, the original interior is totally gutted, totally mm-hmm. gone in order to come up with these. Uh, you know, the, the flat screens and the champagne coolers that I mentioned before and stuff like that, right? <laughs> right. So there's a car in particular that I'd like our listeners to go online and, and search for. And I do this sometimes. And I think that this one you have to see in order to believe it. And it's one that's causing a lot of controversy. And it's not necessarily new. It's something from 2012. Uh, but someone has taken a Camaro ZL1 and created what they call the King ZL1. Now, this came from an, a Jalopnik article. Uh, the, the, the quotes that I'm going to read you here because it kind of explains the King ZL1 and what's happened here. This is a gold wrapped 
ZL1 Camaro that has been uh, placed atop some 30-inch wheels. Mm-hmm. And also, also gold. Yeah, also gold. Very, uh, very bright gold. And it has a lot of people, a lot of Camaro fans up in arms. Right, because this is sacrilegious to them, you know, or sacrilege rather. Mm-hmm. So some people see it as a piece of art. Mm-hmm. Others see it as a piece of junk. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, was bought it? Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And that is a debate that people have had about art for centuries. Uh, You do have to look at it, and we'd like to hear what you think about that, too, because... You know, I I feel that my perspective is a bit skewed, Scott, and it's been skewed ever since we the last time we looked at chic cars, mm-hmm. uh, SH, chic cars, like the cars that very wealthy chics own, mm-hmm. because those guys, I think, 
would take donk cars to the extreme. We should we should get them into it. Oh, like the Rainbow Chic? Remember yeah, that guy? yeah. He has oh, an yeah. incredible car collection, which is really, really strange. <laughs> All right, so I'd like to read uh, just one little bit from this, uh, from this okay. article, if that's yeah, okay. Yeah, please. And um, the thing that I wanted to point out here is that, you know, whether or not you like this or not, the guy that built this, you know, the shop that built this, he had to kind of defend himself uh, because so many people were outraged about this. Really? Yeah, and the, the, the place that built it, the builder was a place called 813 Customs. And 813 Customs, um, you know, is quoted in this article as saying, the King's EL1 required a near-complete teardown and reassembly with bespoke fiberglass dash and door pieces to handle a radio shack's worth of speakers and monitors, including a, a, <laughs> including three 23-inch TVs that pop up from the back seat. The outside gets a gold chrome vinyl wrap, and the 6.2-liter V8 also gets a brace of upgrades, such as a Whipple supercharger, all right, that's not bad, right? Yeah, so it's not just cosmetic. Not just cosmetic, but, um, you know, in addition to the supercharger, um, it said that, uh, that, however, it can never be used in anger because of the custom-painted 30-inch wheels that make the car as tipsy as Lindsay Lohan at a St. Patrick's Day parade. <laughs> I, now, I thought you would like that. That is a funny line. But, yeah. uh, but Camaro fans absolutely hate this car. Other people say... Hey, why not? And the guy, you know, the, the owner of the shop who had to defend himself on his own Facebook page because people were, again, so outraged. Right. He said, you know, I, I'm paid to build cars even though they're not necessarily my taste. That's what I do for a living. So yeah. that's fully understandable that, you know, he, he's paid to do this. Somebody came in with this dream, this idea, and he said, yeah, I can do that, and here's what it will cost you. Right, which is the point of being in business. Yes, you know, entirely the point of being. Involved. Yeah. So, so I'm not I'm not uh, upset with that guy. I see where he's coming from. Yeah, and people are upset with, you know, there's one less ZL1 that's going to be out there for them to buy. That um, is true. Or it's just a different version of the ZL1 for them to buy. Uh, yeah, that's true. I don't think you can. It can't do the things that a ZL1 is supposed to do anymore, and, though. That's the beef. That is the big point is that it's 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 a car that's not doing what it's supposed to be doing, I guess, or what it was intentionally initially intended to do. Right. And I mean, again, if you wanted to spend enough money, I'm sure that he would be glad to change it back if you're paying the tab. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it would be a costly, costly. It would be uh, way more expensive. Uh, reconstruction. Yeah. It's, it's like uh, it's pretty easy to pay for a tattoo, but paying for a tattoo to be removed is a whole different ballgame. And it's very painful. Yeah. Uh, so where else are we going with this, Scott? Well, I tell you, I think we've pretty much touched on everything that I want to about uh, about donk cars and the culture and everything because uh, this is one of those like you got to see it to believe it type things. If you're not really familiar with it, you got to you got to kind of dig into it and and decide um, for yourself if you like it or not. It's like the stance car thing. It's like low riders. Sure. It's like rat rods. It's yeah. like anything else. Uh, you have to decide if it's for you. Uh, that's a really good point. The, um, one, one thing I will say is for me, like here, look at this photo, uh, that we, I have a photo here of a car that's maybe on, what'd you say, Scott? Twenties, maybe? Uh, maybe even bigger than that. 20, 24 inch wheels. Yeah, it's like on 24 inch wheels, but it's lifted so high that it looks like it's, it looks like those 24 inches are just four spare tires that are in place of some monster wheels that were supposed to be there. It's the kind of car that you would need a ladder to get into, as a matter of fact. I mean, it's uh, if, if the driver were to stand next to it, the bottom of the door would be at his shoulders. Yeah, and you see this right here? I think maybe they have – I think maybe they're lifting it even further. Could be hydraulics. Right, way, right, yeah. Um, 
which we hydraulics on a car. Have we done a podcast about that? Well, lowriders. We and, did lowriders. Uh, I would guess that in you know we talk, touched on it. I know in talking about hot rods, we've talked about bag suspensions, things like that. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, we've we've talked a little bit about that, but um, maybe not a full episode. I just used to think it was so cool in the music videos when they would have the cars jumping along with the beat. You know, it is cool, but would I want to own one? Uh, probably not. I don't know if I could afford this suspension work. <laughs> now driving around, you know, like on the on the back corner, like what's real low with the the right front up in the air. Oh, that looks cool. Uh, that does look kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Before we head out to try and persuade our execs to give us our own donk cars with some hydraulics, uh, we wanted to end on a positive note. Scott, at the top of the podcast, you said these are not really for me, but I have some redeeming qualities I'd like to mention. Yeah, believe it or not, there's a few things that I think I, I find valuable in this whole trend that, you know, of course, is going away at this point. But um, there's something of value here, and I'll tell you what those are, and you can agree or disagree with this because, again, it's just all opinion, right? Now, one thing, in, in no particular order. Okay. By means. Okay, yeah. so uh, one thing that I do like about this is that a lot of these owners are keeping a lot of old V8 cars running, and that's Ooh, pretty good. Good point. I like that. I mean, you're seeing body styles that you haven't seen maybe in 10 or 15 years or longer mm-hmm. that are coming back as donk cars. Now, they're dramatically altered in some way, but it does kind of spark your memory for that that model, that make, whatever, and maybe some memories. Who knows? Uh, not in that particular form, of course. You know, you wouldn't associate it with the same way that you saw it then. Right. Um, the other thing is that clearly there's a lot of attention to detail in these vehicles, and I like that. Yeah, in some ways, there's a lot of attention to detail. In others, it's lacking in attention to detail. Now, I think that um, safety isn't maybe as much of a concern in these cars as it probably should uh, be right. if they're a road-going car, and we talked about that already, right? Yeah. Um Creativity, that's another positive in my book. Um, there's a lot of creativity in these. Sure. A lot of problem solving goes on. And I know that these are big shops that build these things. So somebody comes in with a car and an idea and says, I want this to happen. And the shop is the one who's coming up with these creative ideas. It's not always someone in their backyard. But that's understandable. You know, you, you take in some of the bigger jobs to some of the smaller companies in town and say, you know, the modification companies and say, I'd like it to do this. Can you make it happen? And they'll, they'll look at it for a, a week or whatever and decide how they're going to do it what they're going to charge for it, but they get it done typically. I mean, there's yeah. a way around it. And the creativity is something that, I don't know, I always find that something redeeming in a in a, in a craft. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing, I think maybe the best part about this whole trend is, and this is kind of the, the last thing that I want to talk about here, this is people that clearly love cars. I mean, there's, a, there's <laughs> an enthusiasm yeah. for cars. Um, maybe not, you know, the same type of cars that you and I like, maybe not the same type of cars their neighbors like. Uh, point of order. They are the same type of cars that I like. All I drive are land yachts. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. But it's a different form of that car, right? Yeah, yeah. All okay. right. So the idea is that, you know, a lot of these people, in some cases, they work on these cars, they repair these cars themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the cars that were probably headed to a junkyard. Right. They save this. cars. They teach other people. Yeah, exactly right. So let me ask you this. If, if someone, anyone, yeah. Is interested in cars to this level, you know, it shows any kind of appreciation or passion for something at this level. Is there really anything ever bad about that? I mean, think about all the different types of things we've talked about. We talked about lawnmower racing, yeah. bar stool racing, yep. uh, rat rods, mm-hmm. um, stance cars, mm-hmm. um, all different types of individual types of cars. And people are, are, you know, really engrossed in that hobby. Do you think there's anything wrong with somebody who is this much, you know, kind of gung ho into this this type of of automobile. I mean, no, I know it's something that's not you for you and I, mm. but is there anything wrong with somebody showing that much passion for something automotive? 
I think that's a great question. I want to add on to that point by saying, were you about to send us an email that said, okay, guys, I get what you're saying. Caring about cars is cool and most styles are fine with me. But this one, we want to hear about the style of car that you just hate. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't yeah. have to be a donk car. It could it be anything. It could really. be anything, yeah. Yeah, I mean, to me, I mean, I guess the, the, the wrap-up of this whole thing would be to each his or her own. Absolutely. And there is no better uh, sentiment upon which to end today's show. We hope that you enjoyed this as much as we enjoyed making it. I uh, took a little bit of a stroll down memory lane thinking about growing up uh, in – because, you know, I grew up south of Atlanta and uh, – and very much like my friends and I were in that donk car culture. I just couldn't get, I just couldn't put my Monte Carlo or my Pontiac on those wheels. And we, we tried to be fair about it. I mean, uh, you know, we're not fans of the whole thing, but uh, but it's interesting nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. And there's some technical expertise that is impressive to make that happen. Some. Some. Okay. All right, so we're going to get out of here. Uh, let us know what you think about this episode. You can find Scott and I on Facebook and Twitter. You can find all of our podcasts, and we mentioned a few, uh, on our website, carstuffshow.com. Don't be fooled by iTunes, because they only give you the first 300 or so, and we're at what? We're somewhere close to 600. Yeah, we're almost at 600 episodes. We're in the 590s for sure now. Yeah, oh, the countdown begins. Uh, so what should we do for our 600th episode? Write to us and let us know. Our email address is? Car stuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast.